A woman checks into her hotel. She's asleep when suddenly and unexpectedly she hears the door click. It comes open. A man violently rapes her. The law can be a difficult trail to navigate. There are cases that change precedents and there are cases that change America. Some you know and some you don't. Join Brian Cruz and Becky Granado of Cruz and Pascara as they dive into the most notorious cases in America and the ones you may not have heard of. This is Behind the Gavel. Welcome again to Behind the Gavel Season 2. I'm here with Eddie Schwab and Pedro Porto, and we're here to talk about negligent security. And what is that? What does it mean? Um, and there are many instances in which you can have a personal injury negligent security case. Let me give you some examples. One is the one you just heard, and that's a classic one where somebody checks into a hotel, they're asleep in the night, and then all of a sudden the door opens and a man walks in and rapes the woman inside. Uh, what is her? What are her rights? What kind of claim can she make? Well, she can make a negligent security claim back against the hotel chain. And we've had cases like that where we determined that the reason the, the man was able to get into the room is there was not proper management and handling of the keys. Uh, as you all know, there are electronic keys now. So if they don't change the key code then and they use the same key again or the same key code again for some reason, then it allows the uh, perpetrator, the bad guy, to have access to the hotel room. Sometimes there's master keys, which they need for the maintenance and, and uh, the, the maids and things like that. They don't maintain good security or good security logs that control the access to those keys and control you know who has them, how many are out there, and they don't systematically uh, change those keys. That's another good case in, in a bad situation, of course. Uh, but it's a case in which we can win and gain somebody the compensation they deserve. So that's, that's one kind of a sample of a negligent security case. I, I guess the most famous one uh, that I've ever dealt with that was uh, – something that changed the way that bank security was set up. We've talked about it previously, but it was the Mauritius Scott case. And uh, that was a case in which a, a guy by the name of Fred Anderson uh, stalked out the, the bank, saw that the bank was not set up properly for the security, and robbed the place. And during the time he robbed it, he killed one teller who we represented and got compensation before trial. And then the next uh, teller, he shot, and it, the bullet went through her neck and lodged in her neck. Mm -hmm. And we were able to get her a $26.9 million verdict in wow. Lake County. Uh, and you know it's true because it was written in the Orlando Sentinel. Go get it, Brian. Okay. <laughs> Reach. Oh, there we go. So I just want to say... That's how you know. That's how you know it was true. And <laughs> if you guys missed that, that was actually the very first episode of Behind the Gavel. They yeah. actually Brian and Becky deep dive into that episode, and it was very, very, very fun. And and I mentioned that because it goes into the big 
concept of negligent security uh, because in that situation, the bank set up the alarm system and the alarm system was readily accessible to the uh, criminal uh, and he saw that he could do the crime and not do the time. That's what he thought. And by that, I meant that he could go in, kill the, the tellers, which he had two twenty twos, and said, which one of you guys wants to die first? Mm. Kill him. And he thought he'd killed the second teller, but he did not. And uh, then he took the VCR and the cameras and put them in a garbage bag, a uh, garbage can, and along with his twenty twos. And he was on the way out the door when the, the police arrived. Uh, so that was a negligent security by a, a service that set up bank security. So we changed the way uh, bank security thought about setting up or setting up banks um, with video surveillance and audio surveillance and things of that nature. And for that, I'm very, very happy. And we were very happy for our client that we were able to be successful against them. We also saw after that uh, there was a proliferation of backup devices that <clears throat> banks started deploying to oh, set okay, off okay, their okay. alarms. Yeah. Gotcha. So that that was something that directly flowed to from oh, Brian's from, from Oh, wow, okay. That's... He wasn't kidding when they said it really did change how bank security was done in this country. Wow. So um, in a previous episode of Behind the Gavel, you guys talked about um, like liability. What's the difference between, let's say, negligence and lie because the episode I'm referring to was the escalator one are okay. these are these were those cases different like than the law because the escalator didn't have maintenance well it's a it's a, a negligence concept okay if I'm understanding the question correctly uh, and what you're looking at is what is the duty of the party that you are suing what's their responsibilities uh, and did they meet those responsibilities? And if they did not, did that cause the injury or death? And so in the uh, bank case, they they negligently set it up. Uh, we actually got some banking uh, uh, security books that were written by their expert and used it against him, actually. <laughs> and that was really kind of fun. You know, be careful what you write, experts, yeah. because <laughs> we are going to read your books and then we're going to use them against you. And then in the escalator case, uh, that had to do with maintenance, uh, and that was a negligent maintenance situation uh, where they didn't maintain them properly, so they were different uh, levels when it was coming up. You know, like, for example, at the airport or anywhere else in the mall, yeah. you know, don't play on the escalators, man, because like, uh, you can get your foot or your toe caught at the very end. That's where it's dangerous, where the, we call them pinch points. Right when you're coming up and you're getting ready to step off where it slides back through to go back around and then in the very corners, those are the two main pinch point areas where if they're not maintained correctly, the levels are not there and your foot can get caught in there mm. and it keeps grinding, baby. It doesn't stop. Wow. It doesn't stop. So the, the case I had with the little girl, and I, I can't remember if she was 9 or 11, and she got her foot caught. It just kept grinding and grinding her toes off and went up about halfway up her foot uh, before somebody was able to, to hit a button. Uh, now, the, the one of the other theories in that case, uh, that was a negligent maintenance situation, so it's really getting a little off the negligent security. But one of the theories is there should have been a stop button, and now you can see them on escalators yes, today. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Okay. 
So that's another goodie, I think, that we we're, – I can't claim we were responsible for them all, but we were one of the cases that made it uh, obvious to the industry that this needed to be done. Is now, that your trial? I'm sorry. Is that your trial where you went and set up an American courtroom over in England and tried the case there? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wait, wait a second. Hold on. You did what? Now? Well, I, I had a case. And um, anyway, we had to, um, because they were tourists, uh, we had to go over to England and uh, actually get uh, a court reporter and a notary and do it like in a quasi courtroom over in England, do the depositions of the doctors. And we did them by video. And this is back, you know, uh, before they had Skype. Zoom and yeah. all this fun stuff. Now, it'd be great now if we'd had Zoom back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we had to record the doctor's testimony. And, and then it was actually considered to be a live case in England under their laws. Uh, and so the doctors had to be paid as experts and things like that. And so we had one doctor from Wales and another one from England, and they were testifying about the tourists that had gotten injured. And then ultimately we brought that back to the U.S. and went to trial on that using those videos. So that was kind of a cool thing. That's awesome, yeah. Yeah, that was, it was a cool thing. It was something different, you know. Plus right. I got to spend a week in uh, London and Liverpool. So that, <laughs> as they say, that ain't bad. Uh, <laughs> but that was a lot of fun. Uh kind of a great experience too being overseas and doing uh video depositions of doctors in a foreign country and back on the negligent security uh, i'm often asking uh, i think uh we've looked at well what other kind of negligent security cases are there and like how can they arise it's in any situation in a building where somebody is undertaking a duty to provide a safe place mm-hmm. And another example of this is another case where a young girl was raped in her apartment and she had a button and they had provided the apartment complex, charged her $100 for a security alarm system with a panic button. Guess what didn't work? The panic button didn't work. Are you for real for real? I am for real. The panic button did not work and she punched it and punched it and uh, it was proven it did not work. Uh, they caught the guy. He confessed to it, and so that's why we know it happened. He said that he saw her pushing the button, but that didn't slow him down. And so, where, where was this? To where a hotel has a panic button? No, no, no. What this is apartment apartment, apartment oh. complex, and but it was part of the rent. I mean, they charged her a hundred bucks a month for the uh, the panic button and the security system in their apartment. So, as far as cases go, that was an easy case mm-hmm. i mean that was that was easy once we were able to put it all together and prove it um so that's an example of a negligent security situation in an apartment complex um now some of the cases you've talked about uh you said a hotel a bank now an apartment obviously those are all places that you assume you're safe at what about there. school sorry to interrupt Pedro. no I'm you're sorry. good that's a that's a really good question, and you know what you say. That's a really good question when you're trying to think of the answer before you answer. <laughs> um, uh, because they have a duty to take care abs- of absolutely. the students. If something right, happens you, you to a student, you assume that you're safe when you're at school. So would a school shooting count as that? Yeah, and you know the duty is the same. So you think about it. Uh, they're in control of your children. 
They have a duty and responsibility to protect them. Uh, you know, are they the, they're not the insurer of their safety, but that's what the case law says. Well, the reason, but, why, the reason why I brought it up because the school shooting in Florida, uh, the, in Parkland, Parkland, yeah. yes. Parkland yeah. the, the security officer, they were suing the security officer because he dipped. Yeah. So would that be? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Uh, Marjorie Stoneman. Uh, Stoneman. Yeah. Stoneman. So in that case, who would be at fault? The security guard or the school? Well, both. Yeah. And they sued both of them. Of course, the school and the school board was trying to blame the school. I actually have inside information on this. Ooh. Because, Good and tell. only because, I, w- I will, um, <laughs> only because uh, one of my dear friends who I'm actually going to see this weekend is a teacher down there, uh, has been for like 30 years, and, uh, you know, they were really upset with the administration for not having uh, better security, uh, the teachers were, and uh, for the uh, the police department, because the guy didn't respond, right? He yeah. just he took off. He took and, off. And he was he an ran. officer, right? He was yeah. like he the, was a cop. Yeah. He was a deputy sheriff. I so then they got the they got uh, Palm Beach or I think it was Palm Beach or Boca Broward. Uh, it was Broward. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the school board as well. But you know, as you know, uh, on a on a school board case, you're going to be limited to a death case is three hundred thousand dollars. So now what? Oh, hold, hold. That's not a whole lot of money when you lose your child. But what do you mean, what is what is you just would. I know. I, <laughs> let me let me explain. That's why you had to think about the answer before you gave. It's well, really complex. It, it was complex. So. Oh. I, that's called uh, the school board is a political subdivision of the state of Florida. That makes the, them have quote sovereign immunity. What does that mean? That means that you can only sue uh, them up to the limits that the state allows you to sue them to. I so it's two hundred thousand for personal injury now, and three hundred thousand for wrongful death. Um, I mean, it's improved. It used to be one hundred and two hundred. I mean, now would that be like, say, per child, per death, per, per, per child? Death. But that's not a lot of money, you know, when you're talking about the death of a child. No, that actually happened with my sister and her daughter at uh, one of the hospitals here, and I think she only got was three hundred thousand. There was that. a shooting at the hospital. No, 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 or? no. It was a wrongful death. Okay. I'm pretty sure. I'm not exactly sure, but I know that's how much she got. And I think she said there was a cap on how much she was able to get. So now That sounds a bit crazy. Well, it, it is. It yeah. is. But uh, every attempt that the trial lawyers and the trial lawyer organizations have made to increase that more, it gets defeated. Um, uh, mainly the Democrats are in favor of it and the Republicans are against it. I mean— uh, that's just the truth of the matter, and uh, and they also don't want to open up the state of Florida to, you know, lawsuits for unlimited amounts. Now, is but there a, two or three hundred thousand is peanuts when it comes to that kind of stuff? Yeah, is correct. there a max when there's a wrongful death or something at a private uh, property or no? Okay. No. So what about um, you mentioned like certain cases that were that fall into the negligent security here in Orlando a few years ago, five years ago, actually we had pulse, you know, we, sure. 49 people were murdered here at pulse. Um, a lot of the big complaints were one of the, one of the doors were locked and people could not escape. Would that fall under the negligent security? Because there was a big lawsuit with that, right? Sure. Oh, that, that could be negligent security or negligent maintenance or negligent operation of the premises. I mean, um, it could be all three of those really, uh, a horribly tragic thing that occurred, uh, and uh, 
Yeah, I know you told me earlier a friend of yours was in there as well and was 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 killed and almost everybody knew somebody that was at the pulse and uh, that was a, a tragic event. But you know, so from a from a negligent standpoint, the the issue and the question is always going to be. Did they act reasonable? What would a reasonable man or woman have done? And uh, was there a reasonable re- basis for locking a fire exit door? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's that's going to be the, the question and was the question in that case. Uh, obviously, they can't prevent a wild man from coming in and shooting out the place, but they can prevent uh, locking doors that are fire exits and that would allow somebody to um, exit. So that was close to it, and that—that's the theory. I, that's the theory behind that. I have friends that have uh, taken those cases. Um, the owners of the Pulse are neighbors of mine for twenty years, so yeah. I uh, know them well. They're well-meaning, caring people. They uh, felt horrible about what happened, and. Obviously, you've seen them on TV over the years, and uh, they've done a lot to memorialize the area and to memorialize the people that uh, were so tragically lost. Um, you know, obviously, it was an operational thing, not an ownership thing that uh, happened. And so that's, but that's another uh, example of negligent security. Um, the any other areas you can have is like a shopping center mall or a shopping center parking lot. And the they, these get to be a little more tough legally because if you've not had any assaults, then it's not foreseeable is the legal term. It's not anticipated to the landlord that there's going to be an assault. So maybe the first person that gets assaulted would have a very tough case, may or may not win. Uh, but if they're the third, fourth, fifth, or tenth person within that six-month period or a year period uh, where the police have been called and there's been an assault there and, you know, the the mall didn't do anything about it, other, you know, they didn't increase the security force or have a security force. Um, so the issue is, was there security? Was there adequate security? And what could they have done differently? That's reasonable. Uh, to have prevented this? Was there adequate lighting? Yeah, I was going to ask you that. So when you mean security, does it always have to mean a person? No. Okay. No, security can be provided by uh, lighting. Like, you know, what encourages some people to to break into what's called a soft target versus a hard target? And so, you know, we've hired sociologists to, to testify about this. A hardened target is like your house at night with your lights that come on automatically. If you have a well-lit house, you're less likely to be broken into. Even when you have, like, those ADT signs up front, you know, showing. you got ADT signs that are out there, even if you don't have it. Um, Those are all great things as deterrent. It makes it a, quote, hard target. Mm. Soft target is your lights are off, your windows are open, or maybe you forget to leave and leave your your door open. Um, Those are soft targets that encourage people. I actually kind of want to jump in on that. A lot of people think that crime is planned and, you know, the criminals, quote unquote, they know what they're doing. And in my experience, that's only true in a very small number of cases, even Mm. in violent crime, sex crimes, things like that. Crime generally arises, in my opinion, and it's directly uh, 
you can relate it to opportunity. Oh. Just like what Ryan's saying. If you have two houses, one has looks like it has lights at least, if not automatic lights and an ADT sign and other security measures. Maybe video out. cameras outside. Yeah. yeah, I mean, everybody has visible video cameras now. It's not like mm -hmm. they're being hidden anymore. Or you have a house where it looks like nobody's there, the lights aren't on, there's no Garage fence, doors open. You're the person who wants to go and burglarize those homes, what are they going to choose? Or he or she's going to choose. They're going to choose the softer target. Now, yeah. say if you are at someone's house and they have their house be a soft target, like you're saying, and that house gets broken into and it turns into a bad robbery and you get shot, would that be considered negligent security? Well, it might. Um, that's a really good one. Uh, you would possibly have a homeowner's claim back against the people, uh, especially if they knew that there was any crime that has been going on uh, they're in a high crime area and what we've done in the past is hired uh, former uh, sheriffs or um, uh, um, former police detectives who do this kind of stuff and they can do an analysis of the area and tell you it was a high crime area and you know if, if you've called the police before because you had prowlers and and, you know, you don't leave your lights on, you leave your door open, or you don't have any security. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think it's a harder sell to say there's a duty on behalf of the homeowner to install a security system mm -hmm. if he doesn't have one. Um, so, um, and remember, law is, is, is if you have a duty and you don't meet that duty. I don't know that there would be a duty at law that you would have to install one. So that might be a really tough case for that person to get compensation. Um, not to say we wouldn't try. Right. Take a shot at it. Are these types of cases like usually difficult for the attorney or? Negligent security are, are typically difficult because you have to show um, either they actively did something wrong or passively did something wrong uh, negligently by not providing the security that was needed when they knew or should have known. So does that, does that include maintenance though? Because yeah, oh, you heard yeah. about what, yesterday with this apartment complex in Miami that collapsed. Oh, great, great, great example. Yes. So what, what actually happened? I just know a building fell and there were people inside. Well, you know, it was like a hundred, a hundred, it was but like a hundred tenants or yeah, something like, that. like 150 people were missing. I think at they're one still time. missing. I know. The last headline I saw, they it was were still searching. But, but, but something like that doesn't just happen like that. Mm -mm. Something has to be progressive, right? A build, buildings just don't collapse. <clears throat> um, the buildings just don't collapse. So, like, what? Yeah, remember the bridge that collapsed down in Miami too, and fell on the cars that were right below it just to. Three or four years ago, yes, killed a bunch of people near yeah. the University of Miami. Now, now, is Paul that Gavis. something that the owners of the building can be sued for negligence? For like, I don't even know how do you what do you even look for? Well, you know, this just happened yesterday, um, and I was looking at it today, and I think here are some facts. One is we do know it had an ongoing history of having. Uh, cracks and settling. Mm. And so the homeowners association may or may not have taken the appropriate steps. And again, the homeowners association has a duty to maintain the premises in a reasonably safe condition. That's the law. So if they see it settling and they don't do anything about it and let they have cracks and they don't call somebody in or, or they don't 
they, they do call somebody in and it's going to cost a lot so they don't do anything and then it, it falls, then the homeowners association and their insurance company is going to be on the hook for it. The second thing, it's about a 40-year-old building. Um, so you would typically, in most cases, if it involved a newer building, look at the design, uh, the, the, the architect, the design architect, the construction company, um, and then any of the subs, uh, like who supplied the concrete, who supplied the rebar, mm. to make sure that the product was up to speed. I mean, it could have been some of this Chinese concrete or something, you know. And so you, you, you these are very, very fact-specific, intensive investigations uh, that take a lot of time. But you know, but basically, I guarantee you, there's the insurance company. Uh, they're already on it. The insurance company for the building and for the uh, homeowners association. I guarantee they've got a team out there already on it. But you guys got a team too, so that's what puts we got that's a team. What, that's what puts you guys ahead of other other law firms, like the dedication and stuff. One of the things that uh, brings it to mind is that uh, on a previous episode, there was an accident that you guys did. You actually had to reconstruct. The whole entire accident, you guys blocked off the interstate and, right. and did did all that stuff. And like <laughs> Eddie, Eddie, we were out there at uh, three o'clock in the morning. morning. That really s- separates you guys from another law firm, the dedication. And well, I think that's really really cool. I can honestly say I've never known a law firm that's done something like that, and this firm has grown alongside a lot of well-known firms in this area, you know, very famous firms, and even them with their unlimited budgets and unlimited sizes, they've never shut down a U.S. highway and recreated over the course of two hours, I think it was about two hours, where we kept recreating this collision between a 57-foot tractor trailer and a, a regular size SUV. Wow. And Brian, where can people find you? How can they get a hold of this excellent uh, law firm? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, BrianCruz.com, B-R-Y-A-N-C-R-E-W-S.com. And we're located, it's Cruz and Pascara at 1137 Edgewater Drive, Orlando, Florida. Um, telephone number is 40746. Oh, that's myself. 407. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> I, I don't mind giving it. I will give it. But 407 841 is our main number. And we're here to help people. Um, we've been doing this 35 years, and uh, we've got lots of stories to tell and a lot of experience uh, backing us up. I just wanted to add real quick, Phil, before um, – we end this that that's the main difference of between us and one of those bigger law firms that every case to us you know it's the person every case is just as important as the next versus the bigger law firm sometimes the case is just a number i'll 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 say something so before i met you guys i had i had an accident and i had a case with one of the bigger law firms i don't think i ever talked to a single person yeah every client that comes in here meets brian you know they talk for a while we really try to understand what happened Meet Brian, meet Eddie, meet Ricardo. <laughs> um, if you want to talk to your lawyer, we're here. And that's we pride ourselves in that. And I, I think some of the bigger law firms, they're just too big and too busy. Um, and so that's the way it works. It's really like what type of service do you want to get? Do you want to get service like you get at Chili's? Or right. do you want to get service like you get at a really nice restaurant? 
Yeah, I'm with that Bruce Chris. There you go. <laughs> Come on down. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, I really appreciate you all tuning in for this episode. Stick around for a preview for the next episode of Cruising Pascara. Don't forget to like and subscribe. We'll see you guys later. Say bye, everybody. Uh, Goodbye. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>